Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. It is recorded in the book of John that Jesus once said, If he is lifted up, he will draw all people unto himself. Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension are all linked to this glorious exaltation, and it is a call made to the entire world. No class, social status, race, or gender is excluded from this declaration. That is why we lift up the name of Jesus on this program every day. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. The book of Nehemiah would have been one of the greatest stories that have ever been told if it had ended at the end of chapter 12. I'm going to tell you uh, what happens. I'm not going to go through the details of this 13th chapter. I'm going to give you a bird's eye view. I'll give you an outline. You can look at it. And then I want you to read it on your own time and go through all the details. But if you go back to chapters 9 and 10, the people living there in those walls made four vows or promises to God. This was back in chapters 9 and 10. The people of God had made these four promises. One, they pledged to submit to God's word. That was the first thing they promised. The second thing they made a vow was that they promised that they would live separate from the world, which is what we've all been called to do as Christians. We're to be different than the world. Can someone say amen? Amen. The third promise they made was to keep the Sabbath, which is a big part of the Old Testament. And the fourth thing that they had agreed to was to support God's work. And of all of these vows, they are all good, they are all righteous, they are all pure, they are all loving, they were the right thing for them to do. And what happens as far as the timeline goes, in chapters 9 and 10, the walls are rebuilt, they make these vows to an almighty God. In chapter 11, it tells you all the people that were there, the remnant is still intact. And then chapter 12, they have this worship service, which should have been the end of the story. They should have lived happily ever after. But something happens at the end of chapter 12. Nehemiah goes back to Persia. If you remember, if you've been with us in chapter 2, when he had the courage to go to King Artaxerxes and ask for permission to go to Jerusalem and do all this, in chapter 2, verse 6, King Artaxerxes asked Nehemiah two questions. He said, how long will it take you and when will you be back? That was back in chapter 2. Well, after all the the walls are completed and the people are all there and they've all made vows and they've recommitted their lives to God. And after the worship service, Nehemiah, he keeps his promise to King Artaxerxes and he goes back to Persia. He's there for about 12 years. And while he's gone, and oh, it hurts me to tell you this, in 12 short years, 
While Nehemiah's in Persia, the people living in Judah, they backslide. They break all four of those commandments, those promises, those vows. And as you go through the 13th chapter, they break all four of these vows. They do not keep a single one of those four vows. If you remember back in chapter 8, the first time they brought the Bible, remember I stood up on that box and the guy, he just opened up, when he just opened it, everybody stood. And for six hours from six o'clock in the morning to 12 o'clock noon, they prayed and they worshiped and they shouted amen and amen and they raised their hands and they wept. You remember that? That was in chapter eight. And here we are in chapter 13. Now they're already ignoring it. They're disobeying it cutting corners left and right. They have lost their reverence for the Word of God by the time you get to chapter 13. Then they made these vows to live separately from the world. You remember the three troublemakers through the whole book, Samballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. They fought. The enemies of God fought. Nehemiah at every turn of this process. You remember those three guys? Well, by the time you get to chapter 13, one of those three guys, Tobiah, They actually let Tobiah, who was one of the enemies of God, set up a little apartment inside God's holy temple. And also in chapter 13, we find that they're intermarrying with the Ashdodites and the Ammonites and the Moabites, and God's people were to be set apart. They were not supposed to intermarry with people who did not believe in God. Then thirdly, they secularized the Sabbath. There's a long discourse in chapter 13 how the Sabbath was being violated. The Sabbath was important to keep because it, of course, belonged to the Lord. Nehemiah, if you read Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 18, he explains to the people that had broken the Sabbath, he said that was one of the reasons why you were carried off into exile to begin with is because you did not keep the Sabbath. And then fourthly, They failed in their responsibilities to bring in their tithes and their offerings. And again, that's common sense that God's people are the ones who are supposed to support God's word. So in chapter 13, in summary, Nehemiah is granted permission a second time to return to Jerusalem. And he makes that trek from Persia to Judah to fix these four problems. That's chapter 13 in a nutshell, and that's the entire story of the book of Nehemiah. Now, having studied all that for the last three months, I want us to take our remaining time and look back at some of the most important lessons that we have learned looking back over this story in review. Are you with me? Here's the first lesson when I read the book of Nehemiah. Write this down that ordinary people can do extraordinary things with God's blessing. God can and will do great things through ordinary people like us. Can someone say amen? Amen. Even a simple person can be used mightily of God if you have a dream, if you believe, if you trust, if you walk in faith. Don't ever limit what a limitless God can do through you. The Bible says in Matthew 19, verse 26, that with God all things are possible. You know, we've looked at one story. Nehemiah is one story in the entire Bible, and the Bible cover to cover 
is a story after story after story. Oh, here's Nehemiah's story. And there's another story of another person in the Bible over and over again of simple people that God used to do some great things. Oh, I say to you, don't ever limit what God can and will do through anyone that is fully devoted to God. Can someone say amen? Number two, number two. Here's a second lesson I've learned for each of us. We all need to become people of prayer. This whole story is bathed in prayer. Every time you turn around, Nehemiah is praying. Prayer is what brings God into the equation of whatever it is you're dealing with. Prayer uh, brings focus to whatever it is that you are burdened about. Prayer is what unlocks the power of Almighty God. Prayer, in essence, keeps your heart pure and moldable. Prayer is teaming up with God. Prayer is the difference between you being successful and failing. Become a person of prayer like Nehemiah. Even at the very end of this book, in chapter 13, he prays a prayer. He says, remember me with favor, O my God, reminding all of us that no matter how great the task or how small the task, that everything we do, we should bathe it in prayer. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Here's the third lesson I've learned as I've read through this book, is we need to understand it is God's kingdom, but we are all the worker bees. Oh, God's kingdom is so vast. God's kingdom is global. We, We really get so wrapped up in what's going on in our little world, but did you know that God's kingdom is all around this globe? But it functions, God's kingdom functions by all of us simple folk using whatever gift God has instilled in us. And as I've read through this book, the lesson is clear that we are to climb up on that wall shoulder to shoulder and just be faithful to that which God has called you. Oh, this is God's kingdom. This is God's church. There's plenty of opposition trying to keep us shut down. The question is, what is your role? What has God called you to do? What area of the church are you serving? What gifts have God put inside of you? Where are the worker bees? And we need to get to working. Can someone say amen? Number four, number four, here's what, I, here's what I learned when I read through Nehemiah, is that anybody can quit, but joy comes to those who endure. We went through that entire book, and time and time again, Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem tried to stop the work of God. And I love that text, I'll never forget it, back in verse, uh, chapter 6, where four times those three guys said to Nehemiah, come down off that wall. And every time Nehemiah responded the same, I am doing a good work. I cannot come down. That's the way we all need to be. So stay faithful to the Lord, to whatever he's called you to do. Carry on that good work. God will never leave you or forsake you. But hanging in there when things get tough and not quitting is where the blessing happens number five number five here's what i learned when i read this book that we need to get out of our comfort zone most of us are way too comfortable with our life of 
faith. We tend to default to what is predictable and to what is easy. God wants all of us to be available to him. And wherever and whenever he leads you to do anything or to do something that stretches you, something that gets you out of your comfort zone, like the Nike slogan, you need to just do it. Move out of your comfort zone and learn to walk in faith like Nehemiah. One of the most important lessons of our study. I have two lessons left, lessons six and seven, and I will tell you that these are the most important lessons in the entire book of Nehemiah, hands down. Both of these are vital, and both of them are connected to each other. Number six of the top lessons of this book, never underestimate the consequences of sin. We would be foolish to study this book and not learn this lesson. I want to take you back to some dates on your uh, timeline here, and these aren't in your notes. We've been looking at this time period around 586 B.C., which was when King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians came and destroyed Jerusalem. That, that took place in 586, and then the Jews were carried off into captivity where they were held for 130, 150 years, and that's when Nehemiah uh, came up and where God allowed the Jews to start coming back. But there was another exile in the year 733 B.C. I want to explain that to you just to give you a little bit of context But at that time, Israel had been divided into two kingdoms. It was still Israel, but there was a north and a south. And the north was was basically Samaria, and the south was basically Judah. That's where Jerusalem was. Well, in the year 733, things were so bad that God allowed the Assyrians to come in, and they, they took all the Jews living in northern Israel, they conquered them, and they carried, them, they carried them back to Assyria. They, there was already one exile back in 733 B.C. Now, you were in Judah at the time, and you saw all that. You would think, well, we better start following God because if, if it can happen to them, it could happen to us. And you know what? It did happen to them. King Nebuchadnezzar, under the judgment of God, did come to Jerusalem, and they destroyed the temple. They destroyed the city. They destroyed all the walls. They carried the Jews into captivity a thousand miles away. What we've been reading about here is 130, 150 years later, where through the, and you can read the book of Esther and Ezra and Nehemiah, where God finally, you know, he, he, because of his grace, he allows the Jews to come back once again to Jerusalem and rebuild this city, rebuild the temple, and rebuild these walls. We're looking at the, at the grace of God in the book of Nehemiah. And we've seen, you've been here, they, They made these vows before God and they committed to follow God and and to to, to renew their covenant with God. And so everything was good. But what happens eventually, and we've already seen it in those 12 years that Nehemiah was gone, they began to backslide and things got so bad. It was eventually in 70 AD where the Romans came and completely destroyed uh, Israel again, Jerusalem again. And And the Jews were dispersed in 70 A.D. all around the world, and they were gone for 2,000 years. And it's just been in our lifetime back in May of 1948 where Israel was once again reestablished, and God said, okay, it's time to come on back. And so today we look at Jerusalem. After 2,000 years, they were dispersed after the destruction in 70 A.D. 
And the point I want to make, uh, if you study this book in context, do not walk away without remembering why those walls were destroyed in the first place. Jerusalem was destroyed. The Jews were in exile. The walls were down. The, the, the enemies of God had the upper hand. All of it was because of sin, because the people had disobeyed God, and God had warned them over and over again, and finally God said, that's enough. And so here we have this 13th chapter. They have backslidden again. And I just want you to know that it's easy to backslide. And it's why you and I need to get up every day and renew our commitment and our love and our devotion to the Lord God. And we have to be careful. Daniel 2, we looked at this. He, God, is the one that changes the times and the seasons, and He sets up kings, and He disposes of them, and He changes kings and kingdoms like you change a pair of socks. I look at the United States of America in light of this study in Nehemiah. We are so prideful as a nation that we act like we don't need God. We are so sinful as a nation. As a nation, we call evil good. And those things that are good, we call evil. And really, there's only two possibilities. One, we continue to drift further and further away from God as a nation, and God will ultimately destroy this nation. Or... The second option is that we all return to godly principles, and that's what's called revival. It's one or the other. Don't think for a moment that America can't fall. It might be happening before our very eyes. I could prove to you, and I... God burdened this on my heart, and I, I, I just knew that I would not have time in this message, but I will in a future message. But I could prove to you scripturally, because of the shedding of innocent blood and the million babies that are aborted every single year in this country, and because of our culture that has become more and more godless, and because of the indifference to sin... And because we call evil good and good evil, and a list of other things, I could show you scripturally that as a nation, we are already living under a curse. Don't ever forget our God is a great and holy God. We are grateful for the way that he continues to grace us and to sustain us, but God will not be mocked. And we as a nation... We as a nation will reap what we have sown. The church in America, those who, of us who call ourselves Christian, we should stay on our knees in prayer and be humble and be devoted and be committed to living holy lives. Do not let sin creep into your life. Do not let sin creep into your heart. Do not let sin creep into your family. Do not let sin creep into your church. Do not let sin creep into your body. That's what I learned when I read through the book of Nehemiah. And number seven, the last point as we close, and the most important lesson in the entire book of Nehemiah, that is we should always stand on the Word of God. 
interwoven through this book is that everything rises and falls with the people of God following the Word of God. All the work that we do here at Shepherd Church is in complete vain if we as a church neglect the Word of God. I believe that the main reason why God's hand of blessing is upon this church is not because we are politically correct, but because we are biblically correct. Rabbi Zacharias, who recently went to be with the Lord in his book, Jesus Among Other Gods, he tells about the hazards that plagued the climbers in their expedition to Mount Everest during the spring of 1996. That year, a group of climbers attempting to reach the summit resulted in loss of life. One of those who died was a man by the name of Andy Harris. Andy Harris was one of the seasoned leaders of that expedition. Harris had stayed at the peak past the deadline And on his way down the mountain, he was in dire need of oxygen. And Harris radioed the base camp to describe his predicament. He had come upon a cachet of oxygen canisters left by the other climbers, but he told base camp that they were all empty. However, those who had passed by the canisters on their own return from the summit knew that they were not empty, but that they were full. So they pleaded with Andy Harris to make use of the canisters, but he wouldn't listen to them. Already starved for oxygen, Harris continued to argue that the canisters were empty. The lack of oxygen so disoriented his mind that he continued to complain of its absence, even though he was surrounded by a restoring supply. The very thing that he held in his hand was absent in his brain and ravaged his capacity to recognize the truth, killing him in the end. That describes so many people in our country today. Their brains lacking life-giving oxygen of God's Word. It's killing them even though almost every household in our country has a Bible inside their house. There are thousands of Christian radio and television programs that play over the airways and on the internet every single day in this country. The Bible is preached, the Bible is taught, the Bible is communicated, yet people do not recognize its power to save. Romans 1.16 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. James 1.21 says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. 4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. 
You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. It's almost time for Revival 2022. This October 15th through 19th at Porter Ranch Campus. Join Pastor Dudley Rutherford for this special five-day event right here at Shepherd Church in Porter Ranch. You'll experience electrifying music, a powerful time of worship, and relevant and timely preaching that is sure to uplift your soul. The city of Los Angeles needs the message of hope of Jesus Christ now more than ever. Invite your friends, family, and co-workers to this free event where everyone is welcome. Our guests will be best-selling author, CEO, and speaker, Dr. Rick Rigsby, comedian, author, and speaker, Nazareth, lead pastor of Mosaic Church, Erwin McManus, Best-selling author, Bob Goff, Miles McPherson, the lead pastor of Rock Church, and Jay John, an amazing speaker and author. You'll also enjoy some amazing worship experiences with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Israel Houghton and singer-songwriter Jesse LaBelle, as well as our very own Risen Choir. Don't miss this special five-day event at our Porter Ranch campus, October 15th through 19th. Our address is 19700 Rinaldi Street in Porter Ranch. Join us for Revival 2022 as we worship, learn about, and love on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Pastor Dudley.